Welcome to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost story and Mike Ricksecker, a special podcast supplement for you since we did not go live with the live show, the live stream show that we do for Beyond the Shadows every Tuesday night on the Haunted Road Media Facebook page. Uh, because I was under the weather, we did do Edge of the Rabbit Hole, but I really could not do two shows that night. I, it was just all I could do to get through the first one. So what I've decided to do is just podcast this one and uh, we'll go ahead and do the live stream show like we usually do next Tuesday night. But um, for the March 3rd episode, yeah, we didn't go live. So special podcast supplement and here's what we're going to do. Um, we on our Haunted Road Media Patreon page, we do a monthly Q&A. Uh, anybody that's at the $10 level and above uh, will does get access uh, to these uh, Q&A videos that we do. You know, basically asking anything, we'll try to gear it toward a particular topic and basically we just end up taking any question. Of course, we end up having to limit that because we only have, you know, so much time that we can record a Q&A video. And we did have one particular uh, Patreon patron, Victoria Monday, who asked a load of different questions and we answered five questions total. Three were from her. <laughs> And so we're going to go ahead and pick up the rest of her questions because they're really interesting and they're on a, a very interesting topic that we've been really undertaking a lot of lately when it comes to like the connected universe. So what I asked was, well, this month's topic was the Alaska Triangle, of course, because I've been on the show, the Alaska Triangle on Travel Channel. The last uh, couple episodes are going to be aired here this coming Sunday, March uh, what is that, the 8th, <laughs> 9, or 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, so be sure to check that out. But uh, yeah, the topic for this Q&A was the Alaska Triangle, and you know, you could also, also ask about something related like portals, vortices, etc., which is really the rabbit hole that she kind of went down was the portals and vortices. Now, if you haven't yet, please go ahead and check out our Haunted Road Media Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash hauntedroadmedia. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash hauntedroadmedia. And our uh, subscribers out there get a lot of extras that you don't get in our regular Haunted Road Media videos. So um, you'll get uh, behind-the-scenes videos, outtakes, um, extra footage, you know, stuff that we, we don't end up posting uh, to the Haunted Road Media channel or elsewhere on social media. You get little blog entries from time to time. And there's a lot of different perks that uh, that go with uh, the Patreon subscription. So the Q&A here for this one, we'll go ahead and start with Victoria's questions here. So in some of these, I did already answer on the uh, Patreon page. So some of these you know, those that are at that $10 level and above and have already seen this. A couple of these will be a little bit repetitive, but she has a lot in here. So let's get into it. Uh, vortices. Are there small vortex areas such as Airport, Mesa, Cathedral Rock, Bell Rock, or would all of Sedona be considered one big vortex? So good question. I would probably chalk that up to uh, one big large vortex that has um, areas with a little bit more power to it. Um, you know, I mean, you could probably break it down to a bunch of smaller ones that basically enmesh into one larger one, maybe almost like a triangle area, like what we see with the Alaska Triangle, Nevada Triangle, uh, Bridgewater Triangle, of course, the most famous, the Bermuda Triangle. Um, the whole area is basically considered a vortex, but when it comes down to it, there are certain parts of it that have more energy uh, 
being used than others. So, you know, you could ha have one really strong hotspot, and then as you move away from it, it goes weaker, and then all of a sudden you come up to another hotspot. So, like, that entire triangle area is going to be really charged, more so than, um, than other areas of the country, of the world, but within that you'll have higher and lower uh, powered vortices. And so uh, one thing I do also want to clear up, and I, I believe I end up, I, I do that in a future question, um, the difference between vortices and uh, portals. And actually, we'll just do that right now. I'll skip down to that question. Uh, are vortices considered more spiritual and portals more like doorways? So now, there's a difference here between uh, vortices and doorways, and it's not really spiritual versus, um, you know, something physical. I understand what she's asking here. So basically, a, a vortex, you know, is a swelling of that energy from the Earth's core to the surface. And it's that vortex energy that creates the portal. Now, the portal is basically a doorway like she's asking uh, into another dimension another uh, another world maybe another universe we don't really know for certain where it goes we have a lot of theories so they are two different things a lot of people like to interchange the terms but uh, they're really very different so the the vortex is where that energy comes from in order to create the portal where that portal goes again uh, we have theories on the Alaska Triangle uh, you know, one of the theories with the missing Douglas from the first episode was that the the Douglas ended up uh, getting lost in a portal into another dimension. And for a short period of time, you could hear the radio waves from that uh, from that lost Douglas coming through the portal back into this other side and then eventually lost again, a theory. But um, yeah, that's the difference between uh, vortices and portals. Uh, another question back to the uh, the airport Mesa. Uh, do they stay in one place, like always at airport Mesa, or do they come and go? Do they wander, I guess? Why are there so many in Arizona? Arizona used to be the bottom of the ocean. Could it relate to the rocks there now? They once were a part of the ocean and water. Water helps with the manifestation of spiritual energy. Throw all that on top of a ley line and you get... So there's a lot of things in this question that she's asking and... You know, to top it all off, she throws ley lines in there at the end. Uh, but the, again, they're all related. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they move unless the entire telluric current, which is basically that that energy line, um, or what we would call the energy grid, the telluric current is the the flow of that energy. Um, if that whole thing were to move, um, then yeah, your your vortex. Uh, may actually move, but we don't really hear about telluric currents really moving so much. You look at places, um, you know, our ancient sites of powers like Stonehenge and, um, you know, the Giza pyramids, things like this that, you know, are along these telluric currents that, um, that are still there. You know, they've been, these things have been there for thousands and thousands of years. So has that energy grid really changed all that much? It doesn't really it doesn't really seem so because people go to these sites and they still feel that power. So apparently these currents are still running under there. Um, as far as a place like this um, in Arizona that had once been at the bottom of the ocean, now there is a chance 
that uh, the Earth's crust there may be perhaps a little thinner, that that energy swelling from the Earth's core is able to penetrate that area a little bit more because, you know, it was once the bottom of the ocean. So it may be closer to that level of, of energy coming up out of the ground. And so that could be a way that the, um, you know, the, the Earth's energy is able to create these vortices a little bit more so in an area like that. Um, of course, you look at a place like Alaska and, uh, you know, with the you know, Alaska Triangle and it's like, uh, maybe you think maybe not so much because you see all these mountains. The Bermuda Triangle, of course, you know, being right there, it is still the ocean. So that could be, of course, the water there um, helping to amplify that. But, you know, back to Alaska. So how does the Alaska Triangle play with that? Because um, I, I threw out some other ones here, like, um, you know, the Nevada Triangle, which is basically going to be the same thing as, uh, you know, Arizona, you know, it was once a seabed. Bridgewater Triangle, Massachusetts, well, it's right there, you know, along the water. There's a swamp in it, you know. Um, but Alaska, you think of it, well, mountains, you know, this vast wilderness, that sort of thing. But it's it comes down to... Um, a, a number of different factors you ha you do have all that stone there if there's a lot of quartz within that stone it can amplify that energy but the the terrain there in alaska is very volatile they have a lot of earthquakes up there there's a lot of volcanic activity up in alaska uh, when i first landed there off the plane in 1992 because i was stationed there when i was in the air force there's ash still falling from the sky from a recent a recent volcanic eruption um, and also within my first year there we experienced a 6.5 earthquake so the the land is very volatile up there and so you have that swelling of the energy directly under um, the crust there so even though it looks like it's thick you have these mountains is actually very volatile and so you have that energy swelling up and being expelled in this area so um, yeah look at your terrain and that could help explain you know, why some of these places have a lot of that type of energy and activity. Um, and then the ley line part, uh, that was the very end of that. Uh, throw on top of all of that a ley line and you get... So what a ley line is, this is a commonly misused term. When people start talking about the Earth's energy grid and telluric currents, people will throw out, well, there's a ley line right there. Well, what a ley line is, is basically... Um, geographical okay it's not the actual energy itself it's based off of the energy in the long run what the ley line is, is basically recognizing that there are a number of different sites whether it's like an ancient site of power like stonehenge or a temple um, or a church or what have you that all line up in a row that's the ley line all these different sites, boom, 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 in a line like that. Now, they're in a line like that because the people in the past recognized the energy and the specialness of that location and built their temple or built their circle or you know whatever it was, they built their structure on top of that location and they all ended up lining up. So um, you look at the book, The Straight Old Track, and that's really where these things started um, started uh, getting recognized is seeing that all these different, uh, you know, the Mary and Michael churches uh, throughout uh, uh, the UK or the uh, was it the Apollo Athena uh, temples across Europe, and they all boom, 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 lined up, and so that is the ley line. Underneath the surface is 
the telluric current, that actual energy that is uh, being manifested that these sites are tapping into. So these are these are two different things, but the the term I guess it's probably easier to say ley line than telluric current. Um, a lot of people are saying um, you know the energy grid line and things like that, which is going to be a, a bit more accurate than saying ley line. So those are the differences. Um, if they are stationary, are they always on? I've been to the airport vortex and felt nothing. Then the next time it resonates with just so much uh, peaceful energy. So I think what happens here um, is it, it, it pulsates. So kind of like, um, you know, like the sun, you know, uh, you'll, you'll get a solar flare. You're not having a constant solar flare. It's like all of a sudden, boom, you get one. Um, you know, the, the rise and fall of the waves, uh, you know, things like that. So I think it's more of a pulsating energy than rather this constant uh, flux. And, you know, you, you think about the way that the, um, you know, basically like the Earth's core, the, the magma under the Earth, um, you know, it's not always, yeah, there's a, there's a, it's, it's pushing, there's that pressure where we end up getting our geysers and volcanoes and things like that, but it's not a, you know, it's not a constant push. The, the earth's core is molten. So there's a lot of moving around in there. You think this, this thing is spinning like a top. So there's a lot of moving around in there. It's, it's not going to be a constant flow. Um, there's going to be some ebb and flow, some back and forth. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the thermal venting in the oceans, you know, it's there, but it's not like a constant stream. You watch this and it's kind of like these, these bursts, these gusts. And, um, so I think that's what's happening with these, um, with these vortices and why they're not always kind of like turned on. I mean, there's an energy there and it'll be, you know, kind of low level and then boom, you'll have a big spike and you tap into it. And I think what the ancients were, were doing, um, is, uh, you know, with their different ancient sites of power and lining up astronomically, I think they were realizing that, you know, with, with a lot of these astronomical alignments, there was a, a greater chance of being able to tap into that earth energy at those times. You know, you think of how much of a pull that the moon has on the earth. So you, you know, you tap into these different lunar cycles and then you're able to um, tap into more of that uh, earth energy during these different times or the different solstices, you know, then you have the, the solar energy, um, basically helping to manifest this energy out of the earth. So I think they were um, aligning astronomically to be able to uh, help themselves tap into this energy from the earth and, and utilize that. Um, all right, this is a long one. So uh, speaking of my favorite mountain range is the superstitions is filled with iron, magnetite, and maybe gold ore. People claim there's gold there. Uh, the superstitions, especially Weaver's Peak, is considered a vortex Weren't these metallic ores contained within the mountains used or were once used in receivers as in electronics? And going along this line of thinking, could the Great Pyramids also be considered a vortex, especially since it had the capstone that was uh, created from our paranormal conductor friend, Limestone? By the way, Limestone is also found in the superstitions. So across the earth, there are large rock objects capped and containing limestone and other metallic ore pointing spaceward. Are they receiving something, creating a vortex? Are they on ley lines? So, um, so yeah, I kind of already explained the ley lines 
things where, yeah, a lot of these are boom, 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 all lined up across the world. And there's a lot of people that believe that this was done, um, you know, that this was done on purpose, that there was a reason why these things were lined up. And as far as like using the limestone um, or certain metals to help conduct that, uh, that power, that energy, well, absolutely. You know, that's, that's what they were doing here. That was, they were trying to harness that energy. And, you know, we speculate as to their uses where they trying to enter a, um, you know, an alter state of consciousness where they're using it for healing. Um, a lot of these different things, uh, were they using it for a power plant? You know, a lot of people do speculate that the pyramids were used as a power plant, and it could very well be any one of those or even all of them. You know, there may be a lot of different uses that they had for this type of energy. And yes, using things like limestone, uh, quartz-based uh, stone and rocks, absolutely, they, they knew how to use uh, those type of uh, stones for conductors. And we just had an episode here recently on Beyond the Shadows about stone tape theory. And you know, definitely check that out because it gets a lot more into uh, how those stones were used. And not just in being able to play back a, uh, a recording of you know what we now call a residual haunt, uh, but also we get into uh, those different ancient sites of powers and the Tellurian currents and all of those things that these stones would have be, been tapping into back during ancient times. Um, okay, Victoria again. Portals, are they naturally occurring, therefore hard to predict when and where they will happen, or must they be created? Are you able to create and control portals, or do they just pop up when they feel like it? Are there certain electromagnetic energies and conditions? What must be present? Like flying a kite in a storm with a key and a rope. You know, what might have contact with lightning if you follow certain steps? So, very good questions here. Basically asking how does the portal actually get created and um, are we able to create a portal on our own? Um, I, I believe a lot of people try to create a portal and it very well could be that some of these ancient sites of powers, that's what they were doing was they were trying to create portals um, to enter those altered states of consci consciousness, to enter another dimension. Now, when something happens like... Um, the Bermuda Triangle or the Alaska Triangle, when you have these different ships and planes and things like that go missing and they, you know, maybe they got uh, sucked into a portal. That's what Bruce Gernon talks about. Um, and he, he survived it. He came out on the other side uh, above Miami uh, and he was okay. But, um, you know, he talked about that tunnel, that, uh, that portal, well, that vortex that he was flying through. Apparently he didn't actually go through a portal because he came back into our dimension. And maybe he did for a short period of time because he, somehow did his flight 30 minutes faster than he usually does. Um, so I think some of these, we don't know what the catalyst truly is, but the the situation becomes ripe for it. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with the weather. You know, we, we talked earlier about the, the swelling of these, the telluric current, the, the vortices that are uh, being created. And... Um, well, I guess the energy that's being swelled up into the vortex that's creating these portals, that the situation somehow becomes ripe, that maybe the energy from the earth is uh, beginning to rise. And with Bruce in the Bermuda Triangle there with his incident, um, it seemed like he was starting to uh, to fly into a storm. You know, the, the clouds were swelling around him up there. So maybe something with the energy from 
the air there mixed with, again, he's Bermuda Triangle, he's over the water, mixed with that, mixed with the energy coming up out of the earth, and that could have very well have created this portal. He was able to stay within this world, but maybe the guys in that missing Douglas, they passed into another world. Now, up there, a little bit different conditions. Again, you're talking Alaska, you have all the rock, the mountains. Um, it was actually a fairly clear day. Uh, it was partly cloudy, so there weren't a lot of uh, you know storm clouds nearby. But again, you're talking about a very volatile area of the country. Um, Within my first year of being up there, I've said this a few times now, uh, within my first year, but I saw a lot of stuff within that first year. Um, plane taking off from the Anchorage airport, you know, an engine just fell right off the plane, crashed into a parking lot of a um, of a supermarket. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. It was on the backside of that parking lot, and even you know shards of the metal you know fell into the apartment complexes. And you know, fortunately, nobody was hurt. Even though people were walking into their bedrooms and finding plane shrapnel there, um, strange stuff happens up there. So, you know, could it have been that they were passing over this area and there was a swelling of that energy coming up out of the ground and created that portal uh, for them to pass into? very possible and then finally and this was a little bit of a uh, of a different question why does the layperson say that when you play with the Ouija board you open a portal isn't really the connection you're making with spirits it's like scrying you don't have to have a black mirror or crystal ball it's possible to scry just by defocusing your eyes and listening do you think this is just because of the stereotypes that are perpetuated through pop culture so yeah to say that the Ouija board is creating a portal is is a misstatement what the Ouija board is doing is creating a line of communication with that with a particular spirit or, or any spirit within the area um, and it's essentially the same thing that we do with our digital audio recorders we're trying to establish some sort of communication and so what I end up saying about Ouija boards is that the um, because it is stereotyped. You see all these different horror movies that the kids are playing around with the Ouija board, got themselves in trouble, and now this demon is after them. That's usually the story. Um, and there's a degree of that that's true. And I think what it comes down to is that they don't understand what it is that they're doing. You know, it's the, the Ouija board is sold in the game aisle. It is sold as something fun to play around with and not really a spirit communication tool. So I use the digital audio recorder. That's what I'm familiar with. That's what I know how to use. There are people out there that do know how to correctly use a Ouija board or a uh, spirit talking board, what have you, uh, as a true communication device with spirits. Or you see these different pendulum boards and people will use that. And you know they know how to safely do that. I think what happens is these kids get into trouble with it because they're they're just playing around. They're trying to fool each other. They're trying to trick each other. You know, move the planchette around to, you know, say that, you know, this boy likes you and, and stuff like that. And I think what happens be, is because this is a spirit communication tool and it is calling out to nearby spirits that, you know, a nearby spirit will be like, oh, oh, somebody's calling out to me. Somebody wants my attention. And they go and they you know, walk into the slumber party and see, you know, all these kids being goofy and ridiculous and basically making fun of the situation of trying to communicate with spirits. And that spirit gets offended, like, oh, they're just making fun of me. And that's when the radio goes flying across the room. You know, that's when somebody's hair gets pulled or, or what have you. 
And that particular spirit, if they are a, a nasty one, um, if they had, maybe they had a bad attitude in life and now they have a bad attitude in death and now they're feeling like they're being made fun of, they may decide to follow one of those uh, kids around for a while and make their life hell uh, for a while because they felt that they were being made fun of when they walked into the slumber party that was being all goofy with the, with the Ouija board. So I think that's what it comes down to uh, with that. It's not necessarily opening up a portal. It's opening up a line of communication where people get into trouble is when they don't know how to use it properly or they're making fun of the situation to begin with. Um, Know how to use your tools properly and you won't have, uh, I'm not going to say you'll never have any problems, but um, you'll have less problems uh, because we can always run into that nasty spirit somewhere that... um, you know, again, you know, if, if they were a jerk in life, they may, they'll, they'll probably be a jerk in death. And sometimes you run across those. So, um, yeah, portals and, uh, you know, what you're doing with the Ouija board there are, are different. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting topic. Portals, vortices, uh, you know, ancient sites of power, telluric currents, you know, all that uh all that earth energy, but it's also connected to the greater universe as well. And we've, we've talked many times here on beyond the shadows and what used to be inside the upside down on the connected universe and how everything is tied together. We will continue down that rabbit hole as we go. Cause there's a lot of different topics that are coming up that we've already talked about before in a lot of ways, but that we're going to keep getting deeper and deeper and do these deeper dives and, um, and try to get to some of this, original truth there's a lot of projects that i'm doing on right now with with shadow people but not just on okay that you know the hat man and the crawler and all that and we will talk about those things that's fine but as far as um the ones that we consider interdimensional beings and how we know that they are interdimensional beings and what does that exactly mean what is an interdimensional being what dimensions are they coming from how are they accessing our world we're going to get into a lot more of those things coming up here down the road on on beyond the shadows and also with my own writing so i have a walk in the shadows that just came out uh the new book if you haven't yet uh please go ahead and pick that up uh, we'll be getting to a lot more deeper things with subsequent books following this so please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't yet uh whatever the the means is for your particular podcast platform whether it's a subscribe or a follow or what have you again you can find the uh the patreon videos at patreon.com slash media please go ahead and uh, follow us there we'd greatly appreciate that you guys get a lot of extra benefits out there and also if you have not yet please go ahead and subscribe to the Haunted Road Media uh, YouTube channel and also the new Edge of the Rabbit Hole one, which is where uh, the the Beyond the Shadow videos end up going. We broadcast them live on Haunted Road uh, Media Facebook page and then end up uploading them to the uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, YouTube channel, which is where the Edge of the Rabbit Hole live stream shows have gone. So we're doing a lot of different things. We're branching out. We're expanding. A lot more things coming up. So continue to follow and we really appreciate it. I'm Mike Ricksecker. Till next time.